Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing archaeological discovery with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. This week on Unearthed, we are traveling to the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico to visit one of the most preeminent Mayan sites ever discovered. It's called Chichen Itza, and it represents the diversity of the pre-Columbian world. As a focal point throughout the late Classic and Terminal Classic periods, as well as a bit into the post-Classic period, we've been able to see how the Mayan civilization evolved and grew over time. So to find out more about this amazing place, keep on listening. And I wanted to make sure I say thank you to listener Rob for sponsoring today's episode. Before we get on the site itself, I think it's important to go over some background information about the Mayan people. They were a Mesoamerican civilization that rose to prominence in the region between about 2000 BCE and 900 CE. However, despite the fact that this is when we see most of their main stone cities abandoned, the Maya Empire still existed when the Spanish conquistadors arrived in the 16th century. Today, there are millions of people in Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador that can trace their heritage back to the Maya people. This roughly aligns to the areas that the Maya lived and built up during their empire. Within their empire, there were three distinct regions that developed. They were the northern lowlands on the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, the southern lowlands in northern Guatemala and other parts of Mexico, Belize, and western Honduras, and finally, the southern Maya highlands in the mountainous regions of southern Guatemala. When most of the people think of Mayan architecture, they imagine large temples, palaces, and other buildings of the southern lowlands. However, it is important to note that Chichen Itza is located in the first region, the northern highlands. The Classic period, which lasted from roughly 200 to 900 CE, is considered the golden age of Maya civilization. Archaeologists estimate that there are around 40 major cities, with each city having between 5 and 50,000 residents. They also estimate that at its peak, there were between 2 and 10 million Maya people living across the empire. As far as language goes, there is evidence that there was once a single Mayan language at the beginning of their empire. But as it grew, so did the number of languages. In fact, today there are about 70 different Mayan dialects spoken throughout Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador by the descendants of the Mayan people. Religion was a central part of Mayan life. They were a polytheistic people whose gods were based heavily on nature. For example, there were gods of the sun, moon, corn, and rain. Kings were called Kualaja, or holy lords, and they served as a direct link between the people and the divine. To help coordinate the religious rituals, the Maya studied astronomy and mathematics. They created some of the most elaborate calendar systems from the ancient world. This included the calendar round, which was based on a 365-day long year, and the long count calendar that counted over 5,000 years. One of the biggest mysteries about the Maya is why their civilization collapsed. Starting around 800 CE, cities started to be abandoned, and by the next century, we no longer see evidence of massive building projects. Although there hasn't been a definitive cause identified, scholars do have some theories. The two most popular state that environmental change, like a long period of drought, and a shift in centralized power and ensuing warfare were responsible for the downfall of the Maya. Alright, now that we have some of the history out of the way, let's take a look at the main star of this episode, Chichen Itza. It is located at the tip of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Not only was it one of the largest cities of the Maya Empire, but it is believed to be one of their quote, mythical cities called Tolans in their literature. The name Chichen Itza means at the mouth of the well of the Itza. 
Itza is a familial name that represents a group that came to power in the Yucatan and seems to have related their power, either economic, spiritual, or both, over the water in the area. Given these details, it is likely the site was chosen to build the city because it has four large sinkholes. The largest is called the Sacred Zanote, and there's evidence that there were sacrifices, including human, that took place there. Edward Herbert Thompson, someone I'll make sure to discuss later, studied the Zanote and discovered a plethora of artifacts, including gold, jade, pottery, and incense. In addition, he found human remains with injuries consistent with being sacrificed. Chichen Itza was established during the Classic period. Sources vary, but it appears to have been founded between 415 and 455 CE. The section that was built up at this time is known as the quote, old section and contains the monuments of the nunnery, the church, Akab Dazib, Chichen Chob, the temple of the panels, and the temple of the deer. These buildings exemplify this period of Mayan architecture, especially that of the northern lowlands. Several centuries later, during the 900 CEs, Toltec warriors migrated from the Mexican plateau to Chichen Itza and took over the city. Over the next few centuries, we see a magnificent blend of Mayan and Toltec architectural styles that gave us one of the most famous, if not the most famous building of Chichen Itza, El Castillo. Part of the reason that this building is so famous is due to the snake carvings that go down the stairs. This is because it is actually a temple dedicated to Tukualcan, the feathered serpent deity. During the weeks surrounding the spring and autumn equinoxes, the light hitting the stairs creates an optical illusion that Kukalakan is wriggling down the sides of the pyramids. Chichen Itza was occupied for about a thousand years. There appears to be a major decline during the 1200 CE, with no major monuments being built in the city after then. It was at this time that the Maya seemed to have abandoned their large cities, perhaps for the reasons discussed earlier, and moved into smaller agricultural-based villages. In 1526, Spanish conquistador Francisco de Montejo went to the king of Spain, Charles V, though it's important to note that he was technically Charles I of Spain, but he's almost always referred to with his regnal number as the Holy Roman Empire. And he asked for a charter to explore, read, conquer, the Yucatan Peninsula. He had worked on both Juan de Gravila's and Hernán Cortés's expedition, and he wanted to reap some of the benefits for himself. De Manto's forces were met with resistance from the Maya population, and it took a few years and multiple trips for him to establish a Spanish presence at the Yucatán. However, the success would not last. The Maya continued to fight for their land, and De Manto's son was forced to leave in the dead of night in 1534, after losing nearly all of his remaining 150 troops in an assault. By the next year, all Spanish presence had been removed from the Yucatan. However, the Spanish would not give up. After regrouping, they used their wealth and military might to build up a large army and forcefully took back the peninsula. By 1588, the once mighty city of Chichen Itza was being used as a cattle ranch. Next, we are going to discuss the rediscovery of this amazing site. But first, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, my name is Annalisa, and I'm the founder of Accessible Art History. My goal is to bring art history content to anyone that is curious. All my platforms can be accessed for free, but there are ways that you can support the cause. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rate and review on your favorite platform. 
I also have a Patreon and a Buy Me a Coffee account set up if you feel inclined to support accessible art history monetarily. However, I will always work to bring content for free because I believe that education should be accessible for those who want and need it. Thank you for listening, and now let's get back to the episode. All right, now that we're back, let's take a look at the discovery of Chichen Itza. While locals had long known about the city's remains, it had technically been lost to the rest of the world, swallowed up by the jungle. In 1863, a book called Incidents of Travel in the Yucatan by John Lloyd Stevens and illustrated by Frederick Catherwood was published and the world was captivated by the thought of a lost Maya city deep in the jungle. Over the next 25 or so years, various quote archaeologists read tourists with cameras and chisels made their way to the city to try and uncover the secrets. However, it wasn't until 1894 that quote true study of Chichen Itza took place. That year, the United States Council to the Yucatan and amateur archaeologist Edward Herbert Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, purchased the land that the city sat on. This allowed him full access and he worked there for over 30 years. However, Thompson was eventually charged by the Mexican government for smuggling the artifacts he found in, out of Mexico and to the Peabody Museum at Harvard University. He never returned to the site as the Mexican government seized his land. In 1913, Sylvanas G. Morley was granted permission to study at Chichen Itza, but the Mexican Revolution and World War I delayed his expedition for about a decade. He worked closely with the Mexican government to study and restore the site, allowing a great amount of knowledge about the Maya civilization to be gleaned. There have been other major expeditions to study Chichen Itza in the 20th century, both supervised by the Mexican National Institute of Anthropology and History. They are mainly focused on restoring the site so that they can be enjoyed and learned from for generations to come. Today, Chichen Itza is one of Mexico's most popular tourist attractions. On average, about 2 million people visit each year. In 1998, the city was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site because of its importance of the understanding of the Mayan culture. In addition, in 2007, the Temple of Kukulakan was voted as one of the new Seven Wonders of the World. This caused tourism to nearly double over the next five years. Spurred by this surge, the Mexican government purchased the land from a private owner in 2010. For archaeologists, historians, and honestly the world as a whole, Chichen Itza is much more than a city. Instead, it's the physical embodiment of a civilization that has allowed us to learn about the Maya, their culture, their religion, their arts, and their lives. I believed the impact is best summed up by the UNESCO World Heritage's quote, The monuments of Chichen Itza, particularly in the northern group, which includes the Great Ball Court, the Temple of Kukukulakan, and the Temple of the Warriors, are among the undisputed masterpieces of Mesoamerican architecture because of the beauty of their proportions, the refinement of their construction, and the splendor of their sculpted decorations. Make sure to tune in next week for the final episode of this season, when I discuss the Library of Ashurbanipal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, episodes will start being uploaded in a few weeks, so subscribe there too.